Hello, True Matters listeners. This is Mikhail, and I am doing my first solo episode today. It's a little bit nerve-wracking, but I appreciate you so much for tuning in. Uh, Today is actually the eighth anniversary of my dad passing away, and I felt super called to just do kind of a short and sweet episode about some of the lessons that I learned from him. In the past, I have spent the morning of the anniversary of him passing away writing and reflecting on my life over the past eight years, as well as the 25 years that I was lucky enough to call him my dad. And I just felt really called today to do a a verbal episode about that and, and put my thoughts into words. And so I appreciate you in advance for being patient with my jumbled thoughts. I'm just gonna record this and let the universe take the reins. And so we'll just see what happens. Um, My dad passed away unexpectedly at 62 years old of a heart attack. Uh, It was not something that anybody saw coming. He had had some health issues leading up to it, but receiving that phone call um, on a Monday morning, March 23rd of 2015, completely changed my world. And I think that a lot of the time when bad things happen to good people around us, it's so normal to think, oh my gosh, like I feel so bad for that person. Thank goodness that is not my trial, that is not something I will go through. And I had friends lose parents, you know, throughout my friendship with them. And every single time I almost felt pity because we have this notion that something like that could never happen to us. And I truly believed that. I thought my dad was going to outlive all of us, honestly. And so getting that phone call and the kind of reconciliation that happens within our own minds and hearts at that time is something I have never experienced before. And while it was the most most earth-shattering, painful experience I've ever had, it has also been so incredibly transformative and allowed me to reach new depths of my heart and of my consciousness, my ability to connect with people, my ability to sit with people as they're experiencing pain or suffering and not flinch or turn away and not tell them to feel their feelings elsewhere. To me now, it's one of the greatest honors to be able to share space with people while they're grieving because I had so many incredible people that showed up for me. And so I did just create a little kind of list of things that I wanted to go over. Um, My dad, we would joke that he could sell a drowning man a glass of water or ice to an Eskimo He was the biggest personality that walked into a room. Uh, You could hear his laugh from a mile away. He was so charismatic, so loved by so many, and also one of those people that could frustrate and anger you more than anyone in this world in the very same breath that you were deep belly laughing. He is unlike anybody I've ever met, and I truly believe he crammed 100 years into his 62 years of life. Um... He played professional football. He was good at everything he did, almost infuriatingly good at everything he did. He could pick up a a new sport and in that day be better than the people out on the field or out on the court. Um, He actually went to Boise State University on a basketball scholarship, decided to walk on and play football, and was given a full ride for both sports. Had to choose and decided to go with football, where he then Um, played in the WFL for a Canadian pro football team as well as for the Rams. Um, He was a fierce businessman. He would find ways to pivot um, if he needed to. And I learned, I believe, so much of my tenacity and my 
unwillingness to give up from him. He started at one point kind of during, before the recession, he'd started a land development company. And when the recession happened, none of those lots were selling and they were all subdivided and ready to sell. And so he then created a building company (laughs) to sell himself the lots to and build on those lots to then sell, found buyers, was able to create this domino effect that was remarkable and he was every rung in the ladder. Um, So watching him in that kind of gave me the notion that anything is possible. Um, I do think that for a long time, it felt like anything was possible for him. And truly since his passing, it's been the greatest gift to recognize anything is also possible for me because I still have so much of him coursing through my veins and in my ear when I need that reminder. So that has been such a gift that has kept on giving even over the last eight years that he has no longer been with us. The first lesson that I would like to share with you all is to always see the ball into your hands. I can hear my dad screaming this to me out in our backyard when we were playing catch. Always see the ball into your hands. If you look away, it will slip. You have to watch it all the way into your hands. And while this always felt like a sports analogy to me um, while I was growing up, it has now become a life analogy. I think a lot of the times we are tossed a ball from way out of range than we were expecting or, you know, behind us and we have to turn around and we never saw it coming. And it's often those passes that end up being the greatest blessings that we never could have imagined. But if we aren't willing to pause and see the ball all the way into our hands, it slips and it gets away from us and we fumble. And that's also part of life. But I've learned that if I'm willing to trust where that ball is coming from and trust that I have the capacity to see it into my hands, the most incredible things always follow suit. And I found myself pausing at times when I'm facing a difficult situation and just say, I don't need to worry about the next play. I don't need to worry about the score at the end of the game. I don't need to worry about tomorrow even. I just need to see this ball into my hands. And so that has been something for me that has really stuck and that I wanted to share with you all. The next one is to constantly keep striving to be the best version of yourself you can be. My dad, like I said, was so innovative. He could pivot and create something out of nothing. He always had his wheels turning. He was so bright. And with that came the personality and the charisma to go along with it. He didn't take no for an answer. Um, He didn't take a shut door or a dead end road for, you know, as an answer. He would always find ways around that and That being an example that I grew up with ended up serving me so much because like I said, the notion of anything is really possible, especially when you witness somebody that you admire and look up to so much is really life altering. Um, But with that, I also wanted to note to make sure you're living a life where the funeral has to be shut down before the stories run out. When we had my dad's funeral, it was like the line was out the door when it came time to tell stories about him. We were crying. We were laughing. We were sharing in our anger. We were all so unified during that time because we recognized we'd all had this same experience with this person that in many ways was no longer with us anymore, but in every way was still one story away from being right back. And In times where I feel like my life gets a little stale or stuffy or I feel like maybe I'm not making time for play and for 
the things that matter the most and the people that matter the most to me, I pause and I think about my funeral. And it's like, if I don't have some stories to be told over the last few years, I don't want it to be, I remember one time this thing happened in elementary school and then the stories end because all I did was work my life away. I imagine that funeral and I imagine the things that I hope people share about me and the days that maybe didn't go as planned, but we were able to to swerve and make it the best day we never expected or having an attitude of gratitude or being able to see the silver lining or find the bright side Um, even at the end of a really dark day, I think that the people and the connections that we have in our lives are the most important thing that we will have. And those are the things that remain long after we're gone, long after the money in the bank runs dry or is, you know, withdrawn long after the job title or the framed diploma on the wall falls down. The memories that we choose to make with the people that matter to us outlive us. And I think that losing my dad really reminds me of that on a daily basis. And that's something I'm so incredibly grateful for. We can go fast alone, but we can go really far together. And it's not always about what the view looks like from the top, especially if you don't have people around you to share that view with you. And so I think that it's really important to make sure that we live a life where the stories continue to outlive us and we actually have to shut them down because there's not enough time to keep sharing all the stories that people would love to share about us. The next one that I want to share, I didn't learn from my dad, but I learned it in knowing and in loving him. And that is to forgive and let go. My dad remembered if you left a light on 10 years ago and said you were going to turn it off or left a door open or a door unlocked or told him you were going to bring something back on a Tuesday and you couldn't get around to bringing it back on Wednesday. He held grudges and remembered everything. And I I know it was a defense mechanism and it was a way of having control, but it ended up completely controlling him his entire life. He was resentful. He was angry. He felt slighted. He felt as though people were often out to get him. And in watching him struggle so much with these anchors that he placed around his own ankles, I realized how insignificant and unnecessary it is to hold on to things that we should have freed not only those around us that maybe wronged us or made a mistake, but especially free ourselves from. And in the same breath, he was almost incapable of forgiving himself. And I think that's where a lot of the inability to forgive others came from. And in witnessing that, not only while he was still here, but after he was gone, having those moments where there were some learned behaviors of resenting people or maybe expecting the worst and realizing how gross that feels on the inside and how much better it feels to just think the best of other people and also think the best of ourselves and give ourselves grace sometimes when we need it and especially give those around us grace sometimes. Um, That for me has been a really remarkable lesson that I wish somehow I could have helped him understand or he could have learned while he was still on this earth. But it's been one of the biggest blessings that I've been able to carry forward because truly nothing is worth holding on to. There's no grudge worth. And it's one thing if you 
don't want to reconcile a relationship or a situation, but it's another thing if you don't want to reconcile and then you choose to put bricks in your backpack and carry them around with you every single day. Um, it only punishes our, us and it only holds us back from being able to reach the pathways that we are unable to reach because of all the things that we've tied behind us. Um, on that same note, one of the hardest lessons that I learned through loving my dad is that we have to take responsibility for ourselves and recognize and understand we cannot take responsibility or save or fix anybody around us, no matter how badly we want to, we can't do it. And it will, it will make us ill to try to heal someone else. It will harm us to try to help somebody else from harming themselves. And that has been the hardest lesson. And I continue to have to learn it in my life, but especially with my father who was so incredibly remarkable and had so much light within him. But for all of the light he possessed, there was a darkness that came with that as well. And in many ways, the 25 years that I had him on this earth, I felt kind of like my father's keeper. A lot of people came through me to get to him. They knew that if they reached out to me, I might be able to talk to him or deal with him or navigate him better than they could. And as much as it was a great honor, it was a great burden as well. Um, the amount of times that I spent worrying about him, trying to track him down, trying to find him, trying to make him eat better and make better choices and be healthier was a burden I would not wish on anyone, even though I would never change that now. It was like the darkness was with me as long as he was here too because I wanted so badly to save him from it. And it was exhausting. It is exhausting trying to save someone from themselves. And it's not possible. And in fact, there was a moment in a therapy session where I was really worried and kind of spinning out about a situation involving him and I couldn't find him and his phone was turned off and, you know, one thing after another... And she said, I want you to follow that thought down. So what would have, what could have happened if you can't get a hold of him? And it's, you know, well, he, something bad could have happened. And what would have happened if you chose to leave in this moment? Well, this, and we kept chasing it down. And finally I said, you know, he may have harmed himself or he may have died. And she said, and you have to accept the fact that even if that is what happens, it's still not your fault. And in that moment, my dad was still alive. And reconciling and coming to terms with and accepting the fact that in real time right now, him still being alive and knowing that he could get taken from this earth and there's nothing that I can do about it. And we have to forgive ourselves. You know, parents with children that have mental illness or health concerns or struggle and children with parents that have the same and people with friends that just seem like they're aimlessly walking down the darkest path you've ever seen, it is so hard to not want to drag people back to the light with you, but you will exhaust yourself and get pulled so far into the darkness if you are unable to find the beauty of letting go sometimes. I have a Haitian proverb actually tattooed on me that says, PT, PT, na reve, and it means little by little, we all arrive. It is not our job 
to drag someone to the destination that we think they need to be to. It is not our job to help people arrive faster than they're moving. It is not our job to derail the path that somebody's on. We can love them. We can love ourselves. We can love one another. But we cannot take responsibility for somebody else's choices or decisions or life path or outcomes. And that's something that I've definitely still continued to to wrestle with. Um, However, it has been the biggest gift of freedom I've given myself to accept that. We're going to lighten things up a little bit with my next lesson, and that is that if you are fishing with your daughter the week before she competes in a pageant and you get a fishing lure stuck in her hair, do not cut it out before consulting mom first. (laughs) That one is pretty self-explanatory, but I will never forget the look on my mom's face as she went to roll my hair in sponge rollers the night before a pageant. Shout out to any of my pageant girlies that remember that you have to sleep in the most uncomfortable sponge rollers of your life and then take it out and have the craziest tight curls that I don't know why anyone thought it was a good idea but I digress she pulled my hair out to roll it into a sponge roller and there was this tiny little tuft that had been cut basically to my scalp and her eyes got huge and my eyes got huge and she said what happened and I said dad did not do it I was such a little rat in my attempt to protect him. It was a dead giveaway. Um, And yeah, there were some words to be had after that. But I still won the pageant. I would like everyone to know that. Claim to fame. I won the pageant even with a hair tuft sticking out of the side of my head. I think that pageant I was also missing teeth. um, And my mom made me a flipper. So I had a retainer that had fake teeth on it. Um, I had busted my nose because I was playing hide and seek in the dark at a friend's house. My mom said, do not go outside. Play Barbie. Stay inside. For the love of, you know what, please just stay inside. I could not be tamed. We went outside. We played hide and seek in the dark. I ran into a tractor on a farm in Idaho and we had to fly to California the following week for a pageant. Um, So I have, and she like molded me a nose basically. So I had a busted fake nose. I had busted teeth and I had busted hair and I still won. So that might've been my peak, but I'll try to, I'll try to outlive myself at some point. I'll do it. Uh, the next one is for the the parents with daughters out there. Um, my dad held my hand in the car, I think, until I wouldn't let him do it any longer. And he would always give me these little signs that he loved me or he cherished me or was thinking about me and, you know, would reach over and squeeze my hand, squeeze it three times so I knew he loved me. But there was something else that he always did. Uh, when we were on our way back home from wherever we may have been, where each time we would get to a stop sign or a stoplight, he would ask me which direction we needed to turn uh, in order to get home. I always thought it was silly. Um, I, I learned, man, I learned the streets around our house like nobody's business. But it's been very metaphorical for me now because my dad always made sure that I would know how to find my way back home, even if he wasn't sitting beside me. And that notion of that deep, deep knowing of what home is. And home is not a place. It is within all of us. It is, it is people. It is community. It is connection. But from a very young age, my dad instilled in me that I could find my way home. And it didn't matter how far I strayed. I confidently, without a shake in my voice, could say, turn right. We turn left. We turn left again. And 
that has allowed me to travel the country, travel the world, um, travel the travel wherever I would like to go without a fear, because I always know I know how to get back home. I always know how to return to my roots and to the places that built me. And so that has been really remarkable as well. With that, as for all the parents out there, embarrass your kids a lot. Um, my dad screamed from the front row when I was in Romeo and Juliet in intermission. He waved and made ridiculous faces every time we would run out of the locker room for sports games, volleyball, basketball, you name it. He held his hands up to his head and waved his fingers at me and stuck his tongue out and even made it somehow to the front of the crowd as I walked across a stage to accept a master's degree. I have no idea how he did it, but lo and behold, I glanced down and he is making faces and sticking his tongue out and waving at me. And I would have given anything as I gave a speech at his funeral to have him in the front row making faces like it was his job. And I will tell you what, parents, showing up for your kids, being there when they're scanning the crowd and all they want is to see your face. And the moment they do, they can exhale. They can play the game of their lives because the people that matter are there watching them. Those moments to me meant everything. And as much as it drove me crazy and annoyed me and I rolled my eyes so far that I thought they might get stuck in the back of my head in high school, I will never forget how my dad <laughs> made it his full-time job when I was trying not to be embarrassed to embarrass me. And I'm so thankful for every one of those memories and moments now. And when I need a little boost, I can think back on it and chuckle and smile and find so much gratitude that he was never afraid to be silly and allows me to let myself play and adventure and be silly as well. The next lesson is to not worry so much. And that seems so oversimplified. But losing a parent really made me realize that nothing that we are worrying about matters and the things that we should be worrying about will come at a phone call on a, mor on a Monday morning when we could never expect it. And so oftentimes we hold ourselves in this prison of worry. What if? What if I did this differently? How could I do this better? What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen in a week? What's going to happen next year? What's going to happen in 10 years? I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And it's incredible how many invitations we have to worry. It has become like second nature. It's a rite of passage almost. To prove you're successful, you need to be stressed. And I refuse to believe that. I think the more we can surrender and let go and allow, the more incredible our lives become, the more beauty and the more gifts are brought to our feet because we are not resisting and trying to control so much. And there was so much involuntary surrender that happened to me when I lost my dad. I, I could not help it. I had to lean on the people around me. I had to ask for help. I had to ask people to sleep by me so I didn't have to wake up and remember it by myself for the first few months. It was the most vulnerable and raw and exposed I have ever been. And it was the biggest blessing my life has received 
because it allowed me to trust people and lean on them. And when you don't have a choice because you're going to fall if you don't lean on the people around you, you learn to lean on the people around you. And it gave me hope that there are good people in the world. It gave me trust in the support system and the foundation that I've built. It gave me confidence in the strength that I possess within myself. And it gave me the true deep notion and understanding that when I'm invited to worry about something that has not even happened yet, I am inviting myself to a losing battle. And I changed the channel in my brain. I don't do it. I don't show up to it any longer. It's not worth it. Um, and I understand that, that there are definitely things in the world that are worth our worry or that we have to worry about sometimes. But I would argue that a lot of the time we hold ourselves in that prison a lot longer than we need to. Or we build the prison and we paint the walls inside the prison and decorate the prison and live in there and f as if there's no other choice. But there is. And... It's the greatest gift we can give not only to ourselves, but those that we love to surrender and allow things to happen as they will and just trust in a bigger picture and in greater powers and divinity and just knowing that there are always reasons in which we may, we may never understand or we might not understand until we look back on them, but there are always reasons and that gives me hope. The next one is to allow yourself to remember people, whether you've lost them, whether you've parted ways, whether you're still in their lives, but remember people exactly as they were. That's how we truly honor them. My dad was not the hallmark card of the world's best dad. He is not the person that you hear about on the CBS or WB or whatever TV shows where this dad is this perfect version of what a father is supposed to emulate. And I, I would argue that no one is. You know, there, of course, there are wonderful people that play roles differently than, than others. But there's often a standard that's set, not only for parents, but for every role that we fill in our lives as children, as spouses, as friends, as employees, as entrepreneurs, as women, as men, there are all these boxes that we're put in and there's this standard. And I don't know who created that standard, but I've learned that the standard is bullshit. The standard isn't real. The standard is unattainable. The standard is something that brings us pain and comparison and doesn't allow us to actually be who we truly are. I don't, I don't talk about my dad as though he was different than he actually was. I don't say that he was only light because he had a lot of darkness. I don't say that he showed up to every single event that I needed him to be at. There were times that his phone was off and I couldn't get a hold of him for a week. And the thoughts as a child that ran through my head in those moments were something that I wouldn't wish on anybody. And I don't choose to erase those aspects of him and only remember the good because the good existed because of who he was and that includes every aspect of who he was. I think that sometimes we feel as though it's in vain or it's not correct or 
or disrespectful to remember the not so shiny parts of people. But I think unconditional love is accepting and loving the shiny and the not so shiny parts of people and allowing ourselves to be shiny and not so shiny too. I don't want to be remembered as perfect. I don't want to be remembered only for the things that the people chose that they loved about me. That's not love. That's projection. That's the absence of love in many ways. That's ego. And so for me, being able to get to the point where I just love and miss and accept my dad exactly how he was and is has been an exhale. It has been something that I think anyone who's experienced loss can come to terms with. We don't have to only remember the good things and only speak the good things. It's okay to let people and their experience on this earth be exactly what it was. And so that's something that I try to emulate and remember and and not try to sugarcoat or only allow a highlight reel to exist in my mind because the lows taught me a lot. They'll teach all of us a lot and they're necessary. And without two peaks, no, said that wrong. Without two valleys, we wouldn't have a peak. A high is always surrounded by two lows. That's how you know it's a high. And so I think it's really important to not just erase all of the lows that we've had in our lives because how would we even know how to measure the highs in our life if we didn't have the lows in comparison? The last one has been probably the most healing for me since my dad passed away. And it has been to again surrender and give myself the blessing and the gift of signs and moments where the veil to heaven feels a little bit closer. There are so many synchronicities in this world And we can live as though nothing is a miracle or we can live as though everything is a miracle. And there have been so many undeniable moments in which I don't need to explain it to anyone, but my dad's energy and presence and love has been with me since he's passed. There are times I can call on him. I talk to him out loud. I can hear his voice in my head. Usually he's like, that person's a knucklehead. Just don't listen to them. Like his advice is is unparalleled. And it's... such a blessing to be able to still feel as though I'm sharing this life with him and I'm sharing space with him. But there's also things that have been out of my control that I could choose to turn a blind eye to or I could choose to just roll my eyes out and say, you know, there's no way or I don't believe it. But for me, that would be depriving myself of miracles that are very much around us and are very much in our lives to help elevate us and to help us feel so not not so alone. Um, my dad sent me a message the summer before he passed away, unprompted, and it was a picture of the full moon. And he said, have you gone outside and looked at the moon tonight? When I'm gone, every time there's a full moon, that will be me looking down on you, reminding you that I'm happy and making sure that you're okay. And I understand that the moon being full is a, like, scientific happening that is just going to happen in the world every x amount of days like this is a thing that my dad is not orchestrating but I will also tell you that it's often on the times that I need it the most that I happen to glance out my office window and there's still remnants of the moon or I go to drive somewhere early in the morning and you better believe that full moon is lighting my whole path and for me it's it's been such a gift to 
surrender to something bigger than me and not have to figure everything out or not have to have everything so certain because we demand certainty and security. And all I've learned in life over and over and over again is that true certainty and security doesn't really exist. Everything is impermanent. There is nothing in this world that we will be able to keep forever. There is nothing in this world that is gone or lost forever either. And that can be melted down in whatever way you want to look at it. If you are, you know, a believer and religious, that can be seen from a God higher power perspective. If you are spiritual, that can be universal. If you are a physicist, that can be broken down to energy. And it's something that surrendering to that larger thing reminds us how small, not insignificant, it takes all of these very small but very significant parts to make the whole universe and the whole world that we live in. But it's humbling sometimes to really truly accept and acknowledge that we are not in control. And the more that we try to be in control or to demand certainty and security, the less we're going to have it. And the path that my life has taken since my dad passed away doesn't look anything like I thought it would in any way, shape, or form. And yet it's been better. It's been more rich. It's been more filled with connection and love and heartbreak and loss and adventure and chapters that I couldn't have even written if I tried with my best pen in my most beautiful notebook. And to me, that has been such a fun, although terrifying, but fun part of this journey is that so much of life is about surrendering and allowing ourselves to release the fists that we have clenched so tightly and allow things to happen and allow things to unfold. And that's what the last eight years of my life has been. Um, I don't really mark or measure time while my dad was still here and then time after he was gone. When he first passed away, that's all I did. It's been another Monday. It's been the third Monday. It's been the fourth Monday. It's been two months. It's been three months. And it was torture. It was that beautiful little prison that I built with my own hands and I decorated the inside and painted the walls and I shut the door and I lived inside of that for a while. But now for me, it's all relative. It's just life. And life is filled with a lot of really terrible moments with like super happy, joyful time sprinkled on top. And we can look at that as what's the point or we can look at that as that's the point. <laughs> Sprinkling those happy moments and finding the people that will love us in the midst of the greatest highs and the greatest successes and that person you want to call when things are finally going right. For me, that's also a superpower. Celebrating each other when things are going right. Not only basking in people having shortcomings and having bad things happen. It's, it's pretty easy to show up for people in those moments because it makes us feel pretty darn good about the way our lives are going. But being able to be someone that can truly be excited for our loved ones when things are going right for them, who can truly celebrate the successes of those around us, even if they're getting something that we have been begging for and trying for and exhausting ourselves for, that's surrendering. And I think the more we surrender and the more we allow ourselves to step into that highest, truest 
truest version of ourselves, the more the universe gifts us with all those things back in return. And the last eight years have been so painful at times. I still have my dad on speed dial. And it doesn't matter how long it's been. There are so many moments where he is the only person that would know the answer to the question that I need to ask. And I just want to call him. And I just want to ask him. And I almost instinctively reach for the phone. There are ways I could look at that angry. And I could look at the people around me that take their dads for granted or that can call their father or whatever it may be. And again, losing battle. We, that does not get us anywhere. When we find the people in our lives that we can call in those moments because we trust them and love them so much and we know that they would never take away from our dad, but they'd show up for us and they would be there and it's an honor for them to be there, that's a gift. And I think that with all loss that we experience, there is this massive amount of this beautiful white light surrounding it and we just have to be brave enough to step outside the loss sometimes to see it. And we also have to know that we're worthy of that and that it doesn't mean anything bad if we lost something that we really, really loved or cared about or wanted really badly to still enjoy the rest of our lives, even if we don't have that as the centerpiece. I think that grief and loss can teach us so much. It has been one of my greatest teachers. It still teaches me things every single day. And I really appreciate all of you for listening and for sharing in this with me. Um, it's been, it was scary to record this. If I'm being honest, I made a promise to myself. I would just sit down and I would just do it. I would just record it and I wasn't going to redo it. And I wasn't going to overthink it. And I was going to be received imperfectly and allow people to see me in this less buttoned up moment, because I really do think that's what it's all about. And I want to, in turn, let everyone listening know that you matter and you are worthy of all of the highs that you are climbing and often crawling your way to reach. You are seen and valued and important. And at the end of the day, when it comes time to list the person or people in your life that matter to you the most, I hope you start with yourself. I hope you choose to get to know yourself and love yourself and treat yourself as well and with as much kindness as those that you do around you and those that you love and you show up for so effortlessly. I hope you learn to talk to yourself in the mirror like you would a friend. I hope you learn how to give yourself grace when you make mistakes. I hope you learn how to let people love you and lean on them when you cannot stand on your own. And I hope that at the end of today, you can take some time to reflect on not only the loss, but all of the gains and blessings that you've had in your life. You can laugh when you think about stories that maybe you would share at people that you care about, celebrations of life, and also confidently know that you are living a life where the funeral would have to be shut down before the stories run out. Thank you so much. And I would just like to dedicate this episode to my sweet dad, Don Hutt. You are so missed and so loved. To the moon and back, daddy-o.